Now that we're back from the Grand Ole Opry, would you bow your heads? <laughs> Isn't that fun? Would you pray with me, please? Our Heavenly Father, we thank you that we can have victory in you. We thank you for your love and your goodness and your blessings to us. You are such a good God, better to us than we ever deserve. And I'm thankful that you tell us how we can have better homes and better marriages. Lord, how we can live a life that matters and makes a difference. And so, Father, I pray that you speak to our hearts this morning. I pray that as we gather here today that the music has already kind of prepared our hearts for the message that's going to be shared, given today. And I pray that you just, uh, in a very real way, speak to the real needs of our hearts. And, Father, as we gather in your place, in your house, in Jesus' name, amen. Well, take your Bibles and turn to the book of Ephesians chapter 3, that's where, or chapter 5. That's where we've been for our series, Protect the House. Now, this is your first Sunday with us. We've been really hammering hard we, every year from Mother's Day to Father's Day. We do a family series. And this year our series is Protect the House. And we've got to protect our house. Our homes are under attack like never before. There's more to grab our kids' attention like never before. And there's more to pull families apart than ever before. And so we, the people of God, we have got to protect the house. And so I really have enjoyed this series. Today I want to just kind of tell you about uh, a simple thing. I'm going to kind of back up. We've been really spending the bulk of our time in verses 22 through 33. But I want to back up and hit verses 17 and 18. Because they really kind of provide the proper context for the text. For, for us to understand how to protect the house. Paul was really telling that Ephesian church how to apply the truth that they, he had given them in chapters 1, 2, and 3. Chapters 4, 5, and 6 are very applicational. So he comes to verse 17 and he says, Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. In other words, I want you to understand what, how to do right. I want you to understand what's the right thing to do. I want you to, I want you to get it. And so he says, I want you to understand what the will of the Lord is. Every person in this room has to wrestle with the truth that God wants you to follow his leading. So if you're going to follow God's will, here's how you do it. Look at verse 18. Do not get drunk with wine that leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled, be filled, be filled with the Spirit. The Greek word for be filled is a continuous action kind of future perfect something or other. It just means to be on constantly, continually being filled. I like science and I like kind of studying how things work in science. They tell us that somewhere in about a hundred thousand years or so, the sun will cease to be. They tell us that in about 500 years or so, petroleum products will no longer be. And, and there's all these kind of things that we think are endless resources that will eventually run out. I simply want to tell you that the power of God through His Spirit will never, will never, will never run out. 
God's power is always there for you, and it's always there for us. Now, I know we're in a Baptist church, all right? Just kind of throw that thing out the door for a second, because a lot of times we don't talk as much about the Holy Spirit as we should or as we ought to. And so this morning, I'm probably going to make some of you a little uncomfortable. That's okay. You need to be uncomfortable because some of us need to regrasp this truth about the infilling, the indwelling, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. See, I believe that when you get saved, there's a whole lot of things that happen when you profess your faith in Jesus Christ. Not in a church, not in your children, not in society. But when you express personal saving faith in Jesus Christ, I think a lot of things happen. You tell him you're sorry for his sins, and he takes all your sins away. You get a clean start in life. That in alone is a deal in itself. Then he not only takes your sins away, but the Bible says he redeems you. He ransoms you or he pays the ransom and redeems you from a life of sin and places you in the family of God. So in the family of God, you get God's presence, you get Jesus Christ and his forgiveness of sin, and then we get the Holy Spirit. The Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit is there to guide us and comfort us, to baptize us, to indwell in us, to make a difference in our lives. The Holy Spirit is not this woo-woo thing, but it is a very real part of the Godhead, the theological word is trinity. It's a very real part of the Godhead that wants to be a very real part of our lives. And I'm, (coughs) excuse me, I'm telling you, if we're going to protect our house, if we're going to protect our house, because we know that the enemy wants to come in our house, doesn't he? Man, he just wants to come in The Bible tells us in John 10 that the thief comes, the the devil comes, but to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But Jesus said, I'm come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. There are so many things in this world to pull our families apart, to drive wedges between husbands and wives, to drive wedges between parents and children, to drive wedges between siblings and siblings. I'm telling you, there is more than enough mess out there that you and I know about. There's a whole lot of mess I don't even know about. And if we're going to protect the house, we have to have spirit-filled people who are filled with the Spirit of God, who have spirit-filled, spirit-led homes that will protect the house. Now, here's the thing about the Holy Spirit. As believers... One of the promises of God is that you and I live in the constant presence of the Holy Spirit. You and I live in the constant presence of the Holy Spirit. It's one of the blessings, one of the benefits of being a child of God. And now, sometimes we're not conscious of His presence. Yesterday, I... I had a rare day at home. I, I slipped out for maybe 30 minutes, but other than that, I mean, I was home like all day, and that is just so I'm extremely rare. You say, oh, you had a day off. No, I, I read about 200, 220 pages of stuff. Now, when you're reading that much stuff, you know what you start doing, you know? You start zoning out somewhere, you know? You start doing this thing, you know? 
You put golf on when you're about on page 190 in your reading cycle, I'm telling you. Man, you start dozing off real quick. I'm telling you, I was goal-driven trying to get things done. I did not live yesterday much with the conscious awareness of the presence of the Holy Spirit. Matter of fact, I would imagine that's how most of you live your life. You come here on church on Sunday and you hear the singing and the singing's good and it's got some energy and got some meaning to it. You, you hear the message and the Holy Spirit speaks to your heart and then, you know, the, the first thing you think of is after the amen is where are my kids? I got to go get my kids. And then the all-important Sunday question, where are we going to eat? Amen? And it's like, <laughs> it's like, yeah, you buying me dinner today. And then it's like, soon as we hit the door, we step out of God's prayer. And we live Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday. And you ought to come back on Wednesday nights. Don teaches in the summer series here. And I'll be, I'm with your kids in Spy Chase. And so if they're talking about aliases and spy names and, and wearing black and black sunglasses, I'm telling you, we're having a blast back there. And so come 7 o'clock Wednesday night. Then you step, but then you step back out, and most of us, we spend most of our weeks just kind of doing our own deal, doing our own thing, being our own, accomplishing our own goals, doing our own stuff, and we rarely, if ever, except for up within us. We have God's invitation to come into the presence of God, and that invitation is huge. We have God's invitation in a bunch of different ways. We can, we can enter into his presence through reading our Bibles, through prayer, through worship that you've just experienced, through hearing the, God's word, through a small group study where you share life and share God's word together. There are multiple ways where we can come into the presence of God. He invites us into his presence. Matter of fact, of the 12 major world religions, Christianity is the only faith where God invites you to have a personal relationship with him. He's not standoffish. He's not unknowable. He wants you to know him. He wants to know you in a very personal and intimate way. And so he invites us into his presence. For some of you, nature is that, you know, and you see creation and God speaks to you through, through the beauty of creation. There's multiple pathways into the presence of God. There's only one God, but yet we can enter into his presence. In a bunch of different ways. You guys know how I am by, by, by babies. Jeff and Amber Kemp had their... Their little boy Jeffrey here this morning in first service, and you know me, he was in the car seat. You know what I did? I got him out. You know, it's like, I just, it's my thing, it's what I do, it's what you pay me to do, get the kids out of the car seat, you know? And I was just walking around and introduced him to a few of the little hot little baby chicks that we got running around here at Kirby, you know? And, uh, you know, just thinking, you know, hey, in about 22 years, buddy, you never know. But as I was holding that little child, I marveled again at the power, the majesty, the splendor, just the divineness and the awesomeness of God. There are a lot of different pathways. There's only one God. But you, you can enter into his presence through worship, 
through meditation, reflection, prayer, and, and, and so on. But here's the deal. As believers, he calls us not only to be spirit-filled, to enter into his presence, to let the Holy Spirit continually fill us for the challenges that are in front of us. You and I, if we're going to protect our home, we have to have spirit-led homes. If you and I are going to protect the house, we've got to have spirit-led homes. Now, let me tell you what you need Christ's power for. If you're going to stay in your own little box, in your own little world, and do your own little thing. If you're going to just stay, stay in this closed little system where you never branch out, never jump into the messiness of other people's lives and try to help and be a blessing and help somebody through some hurt or some heartache. Never walk through somebody, with somebody with, with loneliness or depression or discouragement. If you never, if all you do is stay in this little box, I'm not sure how much of the power and the presence of, Holy, of the Holy Spirit of God you need. I think the grace of God is sufficient for that kind of a boring lifestyle. That's right, boring lifestyle. You want to talk about exciting? You be spirit-led. And all of a sudden, the spirit will start leading you, nudging you into things that really matter. You know, God is not impressed with the size of your house. Dude, he's got mansions in heaven. He's not impressed with your little 2,500 square foot burg, you know, home. Car? He said, dude, I got a brand new Lincoln, that MKZTB0549, whatever it's called. Dude, I'd love to have one of those. God's not impressed with your car. He's not impressed. Matter of fact, you, you want to know what impresses God? It is when you follow the Spirit and your faith and the leading of the Spirit brings you at an intersection with other people's hurts and needs. And God will lead you. There are so many, my goodness, you just will almost bump into people who have hurts and needs. And God says, listen, I, I, you've got a divine appointment. My spirit will lead you to where people need you. And when you show up where people need you, my spirit will bless you. And when my spirit blesses you, then you'll make a change in people's lives. Now, here's the thing. Your children need to see a mom and a dad who live that kind of lifestyle. The world has seen enough self-centered, self-righteous, all-about-me kind of parenting homes and family. What our world needs is, say, is, is for parents to say, hey, listen, life is not just all about us. Yes, we're thankful for our home. We're thankful for our children. We're thankful for our family. And God bless all of that. But God gave us all of this so that we could follow the Spirit of God and where He leads. And that where He leads will intersect with people's needs. And with that divine intersection, God will give us His Spirit and His power to do something that we think otherwise we would not be able to do what I pray is that we have spirit led 
homes again where we make a difference in the lives of people, where we make a difference and we, we simply listen to the voice of God and respond in whatever circumstance we happen to be in. We step up and we follow the leading of our God. Oh, hi. What's your name? I'm June. Be with you in a sec. Sarah Wetland's office? No, Sarah's not here. She's off Friday afternoons. This is June. May I help you? You want my credentials. Sir, I'm a volunteer assistant. No, you can't. She's on a boat and her cell phone's off because she didn't want to talk to you. Look, she told me to tell you to go ahead and spend the money. People need to see the vision of this place. That serves your job. Exact quote. <laughs> then I guess she'll fire you. I'll tell her. Yeah, you have a good day. Bye-bye. Sorry. Sarah's putting a promo together. We need more and more people around this place. Funding's tight. Everybody's got a cause. Being a volunteer, latest baby boomer hobby. So if you're going to volunteer, why not here with us? I'm sorry. I'm June. I won't bite. Promise. At least I won't bite you. Hannah, did you say? Yeah. Nice. Got a last name? Carpenter. Seriously? Hannah Carpenter. I used to teach fourth grade at Garfield Elementary. I think, I think I had you in my class. Does Miss Smith sound familiar? I think I should go. No, no, don't, please. It's good to see you. This is okay. It's okay. Where is everybody? Oh, Friday afternoon. Sarah's taking a long weekend. I'll come back. Uh, how'd you find out about this place? A friend. Do you have a seat? Sit down. And now I am all yours. What do you do here? Oh, file, organize, talk, listen, whatever. Hard to believe I used to be a fourth grade teacher by the looks of me, huh? Okay, Miss Hannah Carpenter. I was in love with the carpenter once. He was a neighbor. He's about your age, too, I think, if I remember correctly. 17. Sarah Wetland's office. Oh, hi, sweetie. Everything okay? Grandma and Grandpa get there okay? Good. Can we talk at dinner? Yeah, I do. 
Really? Good for you. We'll talk. I'll hurry. Promise. Love you. Bye. My daughter. So, parents drop you off? Apparently not. Uh, so, where do you live? At home? With a friend? On the street? Thirsty? Yeah. Voice returns. So, you're pregnant, right? Look, if I had a file on you, I'd just read it. But I don't. So, your parents kicked you out when they found out you were pregnant. They kicked you out before you were pregnant? They caught you in the act. Scandal. Your dad? And he kicked you out. So you went where? To my boyfriend's. And that didn't work? He was fine until I found out. Okay. He didn't want to have a baby, I get it, so he, what? Hit me. Stand up. Come on, stand up. was 18. Let me ask you, you think you're promiscuous? I was. I mean, what do we got to lose without being honest with each other, right? I guess so. Anyway, I was 18. I hated my parents. They hated me too, I think. So we were even, you know? Sound familiar? Yeah. Well, they didn't really hate me, but might as well have for all the screaming we did. When I got pregnant, sent them over the edge. Did what you did, hit the street. Got into a couple fights, too. Wasn't quiet like you. I'm not quiet. Okay, okay. Maybe you're not quiet. Maybe you're just tired of talking. But me, <laughs> I was mouthy. Could have got me killed. And I met this Sarah person. I mean, she looked young to me, you know, but she was way past 30. 
way too old to get it. Kind of like me now. Where are you staying tonight? Anyway, this Sarah, I met her on a park bench. And she told me about this place, this dream of a place like this where people could go not get lectured, not get judged, not get anything but some love, some understanding, and some conversations with people who've been there. And then she did what you and I are about to do. You coming? Where? Get something to eat. Then we're going to go over to my place. You can meet the daughter I was carrying. It's like you're carrying yours now. And you can meet the parents who threw me out. You don't even know me. True, but this is what I do. It's called giving you a picture of what could be. So is that your stuff? Yeah. So, Miss Hannah Carpenter, Chinese or burgers? I love Chinese. So does my daughter, Sarah. You know, boy, girl? I have no idea. You will be so lucky if it's a girl. My daughter, she's allergic to flowers. Hates every single one of them. She sees a picture of a flower. She begins to sneeze. You know, our world is full of Hannah Carpenters. Our world is full of people who are broken and hurting. And we've got the message and we've got God's spirit. And yet sometimes we just don't go to those divine intersections where our faith can intersect with the hurts and the needs of people. Just this past week, I talked to Stan and Lori Belzac, and just a simple thing about following the Spirit's nudging, leading. And in the school that their son goes to, there's, I don't know, 200 families that are on uh, federal assistance, and their children won't have lunch, so they're trying to provide a lunch program for them through the summer. We'll tell you more about that as they, they keep getting more information. But man, that would be like $10 a week for 10 weeks. And, and I don't, we could take care of that pretty easy around here, you know? Following the Lord's leading. You cannot stay where you are with God and follow the Lord's leading. God is always on the move. And he's always inviting you to be a part of it, to, to get involved. Yeah, it's messy. Yeah, it takes some work and effort. It, 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 it takes something. But I'm telling you, at the end of the day and at the end of the life, it's far more satisfying than to sit on the remote or sit on the lazy boy with the remote in your hand and watch three reruns of Sports Center after one, after another, after another. God invites us to get involved with life. And he says, to do that, I'm going to give you my spirit. I'm going to give you my, my spirit's power and my spirit's leading and just follow him. And he will direct you. And again, what I believe we need is a generation of godly moms and dads who their children can look at and say, you know, my mom and dad may not have been perfect. My mom and dad may have not been 
you know, the smartest or the brightest, uh, but they did the best with their heart. But this is what I know about mom and dad. They followed the leading of the Spirit of God. And man, if your children can say that about you after them living with you and watching your life over a lifetime, you have done well. I've invited Jeff Caldwell to come and share a few words with us. Because recently, Jeff has been on this journey of where he is following the leading of God in his life. And I wanted him to come and share that with you because it's so important for us to understand. We are all a part of leading and are all a part of following God's will and God's and the Spirit's leading. I, mean, I was reading recently a book by Henry Blackaby. It's been around for a long time, but it's called Experiencing God. And in the book, he says something that I just couldn't get away from. He says, you can't stay where you are and go with God. You can't stay where you are and go with God. And man, that hit me square between the eyes. So about a month or so ago, actually the end of April, uh, Beth and I kind of have experienced a little bit about what Blackaby is talking about. Moving out of your comfort zone, moving out of security, moving out of what is safe into that region or that realm where God is calling you. So uh, April 22nd was my last day working for a company that I've worked for for over 23 years. Um, before you get, you know, like cheering and saying, way to go, Jeff, I hated my job. I mean, I'm just going to be honest with you about it. So it wasn't like I was sad about leaving. It's not about that. But what it's about is the fact that that job to me represented security, you know, health insurance, vacation time, uh, a steady paycheck, a job that I'd been doing for so long I could do in my sleep. I was really comfortable. But I'd, the Lord had been dealing with me about stepping out on faith and doing something that I thought was crazy, just crazy. As you know, most of you know, back in October 2005, I went back to seminary, received my uh, degree in counseling, and I've been counseling ever since. And uh, in 2009, Beth and I started Wounded Heart Counseling Services, and we've just been doing it part-time, doing it um, as much as we can, you know, with the time that we have. And God began speaking to me and saying, it's time for you to step out. I want you to move forward. I want you to do this full-time. Now, when I first started hearing and sensing that was God's direction, I'll be honest with you, I thought that was insane. I mean, I'm not a business major, and I'm not a financial expert, but I do understand that creditors expect to be paid, right? Um, mortgages, you know, have to be paid if you want to live in the house. Those kinds of things I get. And I began to argue with God. I gave God every reason you can imagine why this was not the sensible thing to do. As a matter of fact, one day I was at work struggling with this thing, praying about it. And I said to him, you know, Lord, I know that there's this fine line between faith and foolishness. And he spoke to me so clearly that it was just, it just it's really kind of stunned me. But he said to me, faith is foolish. And I started thinking about that. And I'm like, you know what? It is. In the eyes of the world and by the standards of the world, isn't our faith foolish? We, we believe in a God we can't see, right? 
We, we, we pray to somebody that we can't audibly hear. And so he calls us to do things, to step out of our comfort zone, to step out of the box. You remember the story of Peter. They were, the disciples were in the boat, and they were struggling along, and all of a sudden they see what they thought was a ghost walking across the surface of the water, and then they realized it was Jesus walking on the water. Peter says, Jesus, if it's really you, ask me to come to you. Jesus didn't rebuke him, didn't say, that's foolish. He said, sure, Peter, come on. Peter gets out of the boat and starts literally walking on the water. Now, as the story goes, he took his eyes off of Jesus. You know, he, he starts looking at the waves and the wind. He gets scared, and he begins to sink. And then quickly we say, yeah, Peter, you loser. Where was your faith? He was walking on the water, folks. Anybody here ever do that? He was doing it. He was walking on the water. And I got to thinking about that. You know, God never does us, calls us to do things that are safe. He never calls us to do things that are within our comfort zone. A lot of times we sit back and we say, well, if I, I'm not qualified to do that. Or I don't feel uh, that, that that's a wise financial move for me right now. We can have a million uh, good, solid reasons. But when the Holy Spirit invites you to get out of the boat and walk on the water, you need to get out of the boat and walk on the water. And you know why? Because I've come to realize that it's not in the safety of the boat, but it's on the water. That's where Jesus lives. That's where he's at. So if you want to be a part of what he's doing, you got to get out of the boat. And you got to walk on the water. You're going to have to do some things that might not make sense to you. And since October of 2005, when I started this process, let me tell you, he's asked me to do some things that were so far out of my box... People that would have known me before would have thought, you, what, what has happened to you? You need counseling, for crying out loud. He's had me praying for people in public places that I don't even know. Listen, that's not me. He's had me do all kinds of things. But the bottom line is that you can't stay where you are and go with God. So is it scary? Yes. Is it exciting? Absolutely. I don't think that we're ever any more alive than when we're out of the boat walking on the water. If God is dealing with you, if there's anyone here who's in that position, God's speaking to you, God's calling you, God's leading you to do something that you think is crazy, don't dismiss that. Embrace it. Embrace it. Pray for Beth and I. Pray for wounded hearts. We need intercessors. We do. We need people that will commit to pray because there's times in that office that over on uh, Fort Street and Riverview, that's not a plug, by the way. There are times in that little bitty office that there is, there is front-line warfare going on, spiritual warfare. And I am not equipped to do it without God and without the work of Jesus and without your prayers. Pray for us every day. And if the Lord was to lead you, uh, and, and to speak to you, to get involved with us, to, to partner with us financially so that people can come who cannot afford to come on their own in this economy. Just simply ask you to, to listen to what the Lord might be saying to you and how he might be leading you. Pastor? You see, you can't go with God and stay where you are. God is always on the move, and he invites us to be in part of this incredible journey of faith 
He doesn't want us to leave this this self-absorbed, self-centered, selfish lifestyle. He calls us to be a part of what God is doing. And I don't know of any greater way to protect your house than to be a part of what God is doing. You know, maybe here this morning, and I know some of you are going, wow. Pastor, you expect me to walk away from my job tomorrow? No. I'm, I'm just simply saying, just be like me. I love this house. I love our church. I love the families in the church. Most of you anyway. All of you. I, I love my home. I, I, I love my kids up here playing with kids they grew up in the church with. I love the idea of watching your kids grow up in this church. I love everything about it. But I'm telling you, I don't want to hold so tight onto it that if God says it's time to go, I can't follow. And maybe you just simply need to say, Lord, here am I. Use me. I want to be one of those spirit-led people. I, I want to follow you. And maybe it's a young person saying, Lord, if you want me to be a pastor one day, if you want me to be a missionary one day, if you want me to go to medical missions, if you want me to use my engineering skills in, a, in, the, in the deserts of Africa and trying to create dams for people so they can hydrate their fields, then, then I'll do that. I'll follow the leading of God wherever it takes me. And I'm like Jeff, man, it will be an adventure. Would you bow your heads? Would you close your eyes for just a moment? An unusual sermon, I understand. I I thought it would best be better illustrated and then a witness of it than just me simply speaking it and preaching it. This morning, this morning, if you're here and God has just kind of been nudging you into something, He's not going to pull you. He's not going to drag you. Matter of fact, most of the time, he just simply invites you. He, he brings you to those intersecting moments where you're aware of the need of someone that you can do something about. And you may feel inadequate, but God's spirit makes up the difference and you avail yourself to what God wants to do. Man, what will protect our home is for our children to see an authentic, transparent lifestyle where we live what we say we believe and we follow and we follow God. Would you stand to your feet? I want to pray for you this morning. Father, I pray. I pray with all of my heart that we, the people of God, would...